Living God, as I speak, would you speak through me? And as we hear these words, may we hear your voice speaking individually to each one of us what we most need to hear from you. And may we respond with faith, with obedience, and with joy. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Our son, Daniel, has just returned from two weeks in Uganda as part of a team from St. Ebb's Church in Oxford. Now, Daniel's departure had been a bit rushed, with exams right at the end of term and three days at home to turn around his washing. So, all in all, he hadn't had that much time to prepare for the trip. It's fair to say he didn't have a very clear idea of what he was going to do. So neither did we, who had committed to pray for him and the team. But we prayed faithfully and in faith that God would speak through them and do with them what he wanted to do in that part of Uganda. So it was exciting to hear exactly what he had got up to on his return. Well, you can ask him more after the service, but it seems they spent one day in a very remote village among the Batwa people. Some of them played games with the children. Others used drama to teach them about Jesus, while others talked to the parents. And through a translator, one of the parents said, when white people have visited us before, they just give us money All they want to find out about us. But you have given us the word of God. Wow. You've given the word of God. Well, I think there must have been a similar reaction in the church at Antioch when Paul and Barnabas returned after the best part of two years. And it'd be really helpful if you would find Acts chapter 14, and that's page 1109 in the church Bibles. Now, if you remember back to the start of chapter 13, and don't forget, the chapter divisions were not there in the original. The church was worshipping God and fasting, and then the Holy Spirit told them to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then, after more fasting and more prayer, the church had sent them off none of them having any idea what God meant by the work to which I have called them, or indeed where the Holy Spirit would lead them. And now we're told by Luke, uh, verse 26, that they came back, sailed back, sorry, to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Now, no doubt over time, they would tell the believers in Syria of the hundreds of miles they'd traveled through Cyprus and Greece, now Turkey, and of the threats and attempts on their lives. But for now, what they want to tell is this, verse 27. They reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. 
all that God had done, how he had opened a door. What Paul and Barnabas had experienced and what they're now telling about is not what they did, rather what God did. The acts of God done through human hands. The words of God spoken by human voices. It's all God's doing. And it's exciting for them to listen and for us to watch at what it's like to be co-workers with God, to be working with God. That's the overarching theme of the passage. God is growing his church and he's doing it through his gospel and he's doing it his way. And that's why it was so effective. So we're going to look in detail at what happened then And we're going to see what we can learn for now. But first, a warning. I don't know about you, but when I read these kind of passages, I immediately feel inadequate. I find myself thinking, I just can't do that. I'm not like Paul and Barnabas. But God isn't asking me to be. These two were uniquely set apart by the Holy Spirit and called to spread the gospel very quickly, very effectively at that time and in those places. But my job and yours is to get on with being witnesses to Jesus and his life-changing power where the Holy Spirit has placed us. And wherever we can, growing in boldness and confidence about the message that we have. So let's look at that message. Firstly, God's message is spoken. God's message is spoken. The start of the chapter, fresh from persecution in the previous city, Paul and Barnabas make first for the Jewish synagogue, as was their custom, and we are told, verse 1, there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. How they spoke and what they spoke combined to have a massive impact. A large number of both Jews and non-Jews come to believe. So how did they speak? Verse 3, speaking boldly for the Lord. The word boldly implies openly, so that everyone could hear, and fearlessly, especially in the light of the mixed reaction that the message provoked. As we learn in verse 2, there were Jews who not only refused to believe themselves, but they also poisoned the minds of the Gentiles. But far from being put off, Luke writes, so... Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly. The key thing was to get God's message out there, loud and clear. And the implication of the narrative is that as long as they were not actually prevented from speaking, then speak the message they would. And what did they speak about? Verse 3, speaking boldly for the Lord, for the Lord It was about the Lord Jesus. It was from the Lord Jesus. It was on behalf of the Lord Jesus. And it was the message of his grace. 
What God has freely done for us in Jesus, that's his grace. What we didn't deserve, that's his grace. And what he now wants us to hear about, that's the message of his grace. They spoke too about entering the kingdom of God and they spoke as good news, good news. Now, reading this passage, we can't miss the point that Paul and Barnabas felt compelled to speak whenever and wherever they could about Jesus. And perhaps some of us need to be more alert and to grab opportunities, however small, to speak a word out for Jesus. So God's message is spoken. God's message is confirmed. God's message is confirmed. Verse 3. The Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Now the Greek actually says through their hands which highlights what it means to be a co-worker with God. Paul and Barnabas, if you like, do their bit by speaking the message and actually touching people with their hands. And God does his bit by performing the miracles and authenticating the message. And here there's a very clear continuity in Acts with what Luke tells us in his gospel. There you recall, Luke writes that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing, message and miracles. Then he sent out the 12 disciples to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And here we see Paul and Barnabas doing exactly the same. And that's the point Luke wants us to grasp that it's the same Jesus at work. It's the same power of God. And as this next generation of Jesus followers speak the message of Jesus as the one, the only one, through whom we enter the kingdom of God, the miracles are there to prove it was true. Now, it's interesting to note how Luke describes the healing of the man in Lystra, and this is verses 8 to 10. First of all, he deliberately emphasizes the hopelessness of the man's situation. He was crippled in his feet, literally powerless. He was lame from birth, literally from his mother's womb, and he had never walked But this man didn't just happen to be there, verse 9. He was listening to Paul. And Paul was no doubt speaking of Jesus. And so again, message and miracle go hand in hand. John Stott quotes Calvin's comment that God hardly ever allows miracles to be detached from his word. Now, you notice that Paul does not pray for the man's healing. He commands his healing. And in a loud voice says, stand up on your feet. Paul, you see, speaks with the same authority as Jesus when he said to the paralytic, get up, 
take your mat and go home. Jesus has given his name and his authority to his disciples to preach and perform miracles. And I do believe that the Church of Jesus Christ needs to recover her confidence both to proclaim boldly the message of Jesus and of God's grace and to be willing to step out in faith expecting to see signs of the kingdom. God's message is confirmed. God's message is opposed. It's opposed. This is the constant pattern we notice as we read through Acts. You'll have picked it up. The message of Jesus is either believed or it's opposed. And wherever it's believed, Jesus' followers do all they can to strengthen the faith of the new believers. Verse 22, we see Paul and Barnabas going back to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch, to those very places where they had been opposed. And what are they doing? They're strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. To remain true. For again and again, faith in Jesus is tested by active opposition. We see it here in the experience of Paul and Barnabas. Verse 2, minds are poisoned against them. Verse 5, there's a plot to ill-treat them and stone them. Verse 19, opposition pursues them and whips up the crowd who turn from celebrity worship to stoning Paul and dragging him out of the city as if he were dead. The message of Jesus is not for the faint-hearted And Paul does not play down this aspect. He says, verse 22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Through many hardships. Now, it's probably not the keynote speech we would have chosen for a bunch of new disciples. I wouldn't. But this seems to be the way God builds his church. Opposition is inevitable. It was the same warning you noticed Jesus gave to the twelve. There would be those who would not welcome them. There would be those, like Herod, who would kill the prophets of Jesus. And maybe we're too keen for people to see the blessings and the benefits of the gospel that we do not speak enough of the rejection and the opposition that goes with it. Because only those who are warned of opposition and hardships will stay the course and remain true to the faith. God's message is opposed. God's message calls for a response. It calls for a response. One of the reasons Paul and Barnabas encountered such opposition was because they preached a message which called for a reaction, for a response from the hearers. Their hearers didn't feel they could take it or leave it. Verse 4. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews. The ones we're told in verse 2 refused to believe. And others with the apostles. Theirs was a message which challenged, 
and it challenged both individuals and power groups. But sometimes the response was not the one they expected, nor the one they wanted. Let's look at how the people of Lystra reacted to the miraculous healing of the crippled man. Now, what was all that about? It seems that when they saw what Paul had done, they assumed that he and Barnabas were in fact the Greek gods, Hermes and Zeus, who had come down to earth in human form and therefore should be worshipped. Now, it sounds balmy to us, but here it is helpful to have a bit of background. Legend had it, and there was a poem by the Latin poet Ovid, Ovid that preserved that legend, that Zeus and Hermes had once visited this very region incognito, and the local people had failed to honour them and had been punished by a mighty flood. Well, these people didn't want to make the same mistake again. So hence why the priests of the temple to Zeus brought sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas, and then the crowds wanted to follow suit. And the disciples were horrified. But even so, they take this as yet another opportunity to speak the message. And it's instructive to us to watch Paul in action as he engages with these pagans. Now, when Paul is speaking with Jews, as I'm sure you saw last week in chapter 13, he takes their scriptures as his starting point, and he traces his way through God's dealings with the people of Israel down to Jesus as their Messiah. But with pagans, Paul chooses to begin in quite a different place. These people were from an agricultural background, and they worshipped multiple deities. So they needed to hear, first of all, of the one true living God, verse 15. The one who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. And they should recognize this God as a good and generous God because, verse 17, he has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. In other words, if you have plenty of food and joy, then it's because of God, of the living God. Now, Paul's sermon breaks off at this point because the mass worship is about to arrive and he's no time to speak to them of Jesus. But he has already spelled out that they need to make a response. Verse 15. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God. So God's message is spoken, confirmed, opposed, demands a response, and ultimately, God's message is unstoppable. God's message is unstoppable. This is what makes this chapter so exciting. Yes, there's opposition. Yes, some refuse to believe. Yes, there are hardships. Yes, there are death attempts. But the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be silenced. It cannot be stopped. Paul and Barnabas go on preaching And the number of believers goes on growing, both within the Jewish community, but now even more significantly beyond it. How? Verse 27. Because God himself had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and what God has opened, 
no man can shut. Just imagine the impact of all this on the believers back in Syrian Antioch. How they must have marveled at what they were hearing. How they must have praised such a God. How they must have been encouraged themselves to go on bearing witness to Jesus where they were. And friends, we too need to tell each other our own experiences of where God is opening doors. We need to read and find out about those parts of the world where the gospel of Jesus Christ is growing at a phenomenal rate that reads just like this. And we need to see opposition, not as an excuse to give up, but as a spur to go on until each one of us complete the work to which the Holy Spirit has called us has called me, has called you to complete it and to enter the kingdom of God alongside all those who have met Jesus Christ through us. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Just going to allow a moment to, for the Holy Spirit to take this message and to speak into your heart what he wants you to hear right now. Ask God to show you what it is from this passage and this word you have heard spoken, you need to respond to. And I believe there are some who know that God has called them to some work to some area of ministry or activity and they have stopped it because you've met opposition and discouragement. And God is calling you to take that up again. You did hear his voice and you do know what he wants you to do. Living God, you are the same God today who did these mighty words and miracles through Paul and Barnabas. And we pray that you would strengthen our faith. Lord, that we would not look at the opposition and the discouragements, but we would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on the hope to which you have called us and on the kingdom where we will one day meet you face to face. And may we be those who keep faith with you right to the end that your kingdom may grow through us where we are for the glory of Jesus. 
Amen.